Welcome to Firewall and Crossroads, your show all about nonprofits and the people that make the mission happen. I'm Marjorie Moore, Executive Director of Mind's Eye. My personal mission is to make nonprofits stronger by identifying and fixing the rubs that so often come up between people and the mission. And we have my co-host, Natalie Jablonski, the Nonprofit Ninja. Specializing in helping nonprofits maximize their time, talent, and resources to achieve organizational greatness. Hi, Marjorie. Hi. I'm excited. We have an awesome guest with us today. We're going to be talking about the role of the executive director. And, you know, there's no person better to get than someone who has served as an executive director. So today we're going to be welcoming our guest, Cheryl Compton. Cheryl is currently serving as the executive director of Call for Help, a nonprofit organization located in the Metro East with a mission to assist, motivate, and empower people who are facing personal crisis in order for them to achieve their maximum potential. Cheryl has more than 40 years of social service experience, and we are very excited to have you. Welcome, Cheryl. Tell us a little about yourself. Well, Natalie, I came to uh, the Metro East from Effingham, Illinois, where I operated a community mental health center for almost 30 years. And prior to that, I worked in nonprofit organizations um, like community action agencies, ran a Head Start Center for a while. I have a little bit of experience working in school systems as a licensed clinical social worker, and I've also worked in hospital settings that were nonprofit as a psychiatric social worker and then again as a department head for social services. Wow. So, Marjorie, we're going to deem her qualified. I think she is qualified (laughs) to speak on this topic. Thank you. So let's talk a little bit before we dive into this fun about why we think it's important and why we want to approach this subject, because it's really about understanding the role of your executive director or the leader of your nonprofit organization. Marjorie, when you're talking about, as an executive director yourself, why is it important, do you think, for your staff, for nonprofit staff to really understand the role of that executive director? I think, you know, in a in an instance where you're a nonprofit executive director, you're the, you're the leader of the staff. Um, people look to you for uh, advice. They look to you for which way are we going to do things. They look for you to set the tone of the organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could do that with a lot of different leadership styles. I kind of prefer a coaching sort of method, but other people do it different ways. Um, and I think it's really important because once once the executive director is doing something, something a certain way, the staff's going to follow right, right behind them in, in a lot of different ways. And if you can't get your staff on board with you as an executive director, that's when things start to kind of start to fall apart. So mm. really important. Yeah. Now, on the board side, what do you think, you know, the role of the board between the executive director? Absolutely. So it's so important, I think, for members of a board of directors to really understand what the purpose of the executive director is. So it establishes the clear lines as to whose job is what, whose role That's is big. what. So we're talking about the communication uh, we're talking about the actual uh, one-on-one with staff and understanding who's in charge. And that could be a conflict and a rub. I know we've had a, a program specifically on communication with uh, board of directors and nonprofit staff. But Absolutely. We'll link really, to that one. <laughs> yes. And I think that's just really important for the board to be able to understand that. I also think it's today's programs could be very helpful for volunteers and for donors. D- Cheryl, wouldn't you agree when it comes to for them to understand what, the role is of an executive director, it's a little different? Yes, because they're outside of the agency, and so they don't see the inner workings, and they don't necessarily see the relationship of the executive director to the board. So, yeah. Great point. So regardless of your role in your nonprofit that you support, I hope today you'll be able to walk away with some great 
uh, advice and understanding as to what the role is of the executive director. So let's kick off a little bit about the responsibilities overview of an executive director. And we pulled some great information from the Houston Chronicle. It was an article written by David Ingram, and it was specifically talking about these responsibilities. And I, I think we could all probably comment on different challenges that we've faced or successes we've had. So first, working with the board. As executive director, when we talk about working with the board, what does that relationship look like? How frequently do you communicate with them? Uh, how often does the board meet? Is that all determined by the executive director? Does the board have a say? Is it a 50-50? What do you think, Cheryl? Well, I think it should be a 50-50, and it depends a lot on where the organization is at. For example, at the organization I currently serve at, when I first came there six years ago, the board met monthly. As the board and I worked out working relationships and we got policies and procedures in place and the board did a retreat, they felt like really they could continue to meet uh, every other month and have committee meetings in between. So a lot of it depends on the trust between the board and the executive and the amount of work, whether or not there's a committee structure. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's an individual decision for each um, each organization. Great point. And Marjorie, you had talked and kicked off talking about the staff and the management role. You want to talk mm-hmm. about that a little bit more? Yeah. So, you know, as the executive director, your your job is to lead the staff, Um and, you know, I think one of the things that, that can kind of sometimes be a bit of a problem is is that transition from the board being the staff in a young organization to hiring staff to hiring more staff and making sure that those lines are clear, whether, you know, knowing that the ED reports to the board and all of the rest of the staff in some way, shape, or form eventually report up to the ED and knowing where those lines are so that the staff isn't confused about who they're reporting to, I think is a really important thing. I think that's where an organizational structure flowchart can really come into play and, and be a nice visual for the staff and the board to understand those roles and where everyone fits in. Uh, not that you want to keep them separate, mm-hmm. but you definitely want to keep the responsibilities separate so that everyone Absolutely. understands what those responsibilities are. Nobody hates having, nobody loves having 12 bosses. Let's just make the easy have that. <laughs> Uh, with regards to public relations and being out in the community, the executive director is the face of the community. And although the board and the staff and the volunteers, they all serve as ambassadors, if you will, of the mission, when it comes down to it, the person who is doing one-on-one conversations with the media, representing them in the public, that top person uh, is primarily the executive director as well. Mm-hmm. And that could be a lot of pressure. It is. Honestly, yeah, I don't know about you guys, but that was the part of the role that I was most uncomfortable moving into when I became an executive director, even though I kind of come from the marketing end of things. I uh, I have a tendency to want to share, share the love. I think we all do. And um, moving into that role where, you know, I'm expected to be the face of and kind of knowing when to share that, when not to share that, when to say, no, this is this is the time that I need to be there. Um, that was a piece for me that was, was always kind of difficult. So um, it is important, though, for the executive director to be in that space, though, because the word trust comes up so much. Mm. The community has to trust your organization. And to put that trust in your organization also means you're putting that trust into that leadership, too. So seeing the executive director is a really important piece for the community to see. 
Yeah, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. It, it could be a challenge as well as if you're moving up in the organization. So you were a program staff and now you were serving as the executive director, learning to take on that new role can be a challenge. And I agree. I think the delegation, you, you want to share mm-hmm. and you want your entire team to shine, but yet when it comes down to it, you, you're the one who has to make those decisions. And I mm-hmm. think that's what's really important when you're talking about public relations and also as a, as a company liaison, being out there in the community and making sure and representing just at economic activities, chamber activities, uh, whatever that might be, being able to be the face of that organization, but also like you say, how do you, how do you share that and where do you share it? Uh, is really up to the strategic plan of your organization. What do you think, Cheryl? Yes, I would definitely agree with that. I think, you know, it's important for the executive to be out in the community because when you're doing those um speaking engagements or soliciting donors, you just pick up wonderful con- contacts and opportunities that you wouldn't normally get for your organization mm-hmm. if you are always sitting at a desk. And when you share that responsibility with your staff appropriately, it can also be a great motivating factor for them. It could be professional development for them. You want to make sure that if something would happen, we've talked about crisis before on this show, if something happens and you are in Barbados, who is now the, the face of that organization and making sure that happens. Uh, by the way, I'd like to go to Barbados. I, I would too. I would like to make the money to go to Barbados. Actually. <laughs> I guess I need to go to a different Maybe a future podcast. There you go. <laughs> Coming to you live, right? Speaking of money. Speaking of money, another big role of executive directors, because it's nonprofits, let's throw the F-bomb. Fundraising. Fundraising. <laughs> it happens, right? Yeah. And that can be uncomfortable for someone who's not familiar with that. Cheryl, talk to me about your experience with that. Well, it's very interesting that you bring that up as a topic because for 30 years, running a community mental health center, we did not have the need to do fundraising. We were able to... uh package our services very efficiently, do our billing very well, and we were able to make a small amount of profit every year. But the organization I'm in now would not survive if they weren't able to do fundraising of 25 to 30%, and some of our smaller grants require a 50% match. So... There are different levels of fundraising in our organization. We're lucky we have a fund developer who's very good and who has gone through a degree program to learn how to package fundraising. I've always kind of said I'm not very good at the bake sales and car washes, but I am very comfortable going to an individual donor and making the big ask. So in fundraising, it's vitally important that you know where your comfort level is and where your skill level is. And if it's not there, you need to recruit another staff member who does have those skills. I couldn't have said that any better myself. That's absolutely what I believe in as well. And I love that you, what you said about, you know, the, the difference between bake sales and the big ask. I think that it's so important for executive directors not only to know what their skills are, but know what their value is. Because I think that one of the traps that we fall into sometimes is wanting to do everything. And no yes syndrome. Yeah. (laughs) Knowing that this bake sale is going to make us a hundred dollars and I'm going to spend four hours at it. Well, you know, maybe we've just blown through, you know, four hours of my time, which could be worth, you know, that or even more or less, but somewhere in that range. And that's something I think that, you know, a lot of times we forget is that as executive directors, as nonprofit staff, our time is money. Mm -hmm. And so looking at those things from that angle. What's going to be the greatest return on investment for your organization every minute of the day? 
And sometimes it's beyond the dollars as it is in a long-term investment. Mm -hmm. So the bake sale may not seem like much when you're talking about $400 after four hours, Mm -hmm. unless one of your major donors is leading that. Exactly. And (laughs) uh, you'd like to be able to continue that relationship building. So it's about knowing your strategy and knowing how to use your time wisely, I think, as an executive director. So let's go into that. Now, Marjorie, you were referencing before the show about an article in uh, strengtheningnonprofits.org. It talked all about what it's like to lead a nonprofit organization. Yeah. And actually, this is a great little handbook, and we'll link to it. It's it's basically like a 18-page executive director, like here's everything you need to know about becoming one. Um, but one of the things in there was a the couple different leadership styles. One was authoritarian, kind of a my way, highway sort of way, which is often criticized Um being nonprofits, you know, we're often very uh, collaborative, which kind of leads us to the participative model where we basically make decisions as a team. Often there is the one person where the buck stops, but there are, you know, we hear people's voices. I think that's one that you see a lot in nonprofit. And then the other one is uh, delegative. Um, I've never used that word before, but um, this is um, a way where the leader provides enough coaching and enough support for the team to feel comfortable to make their own decisions. And I've got to say, probably my style falls somewhere between those last two where, you know, where my team is making decisions mm-hmm. because gosh, there are some decisions I do not need to make. <laughs> like what color are the invitations? I, I don't, I don't right. care. <laughs> so as we talked about in Gala's last week, um, Jason right. is perfectly capable of doing that. Um, but it's important for you to kind of be able to pinpoint where your leadership style is and what's going to work best for you and your team. And and in that, going to your your point, who to delegate to and when mm-hmm. to delegate. So it's not just what you want to do, but also when it's appropriate to delegate, who it's appropriate to delegate to, because I've seen some delegation go terribly wrong, mm-hmm. and I've seen it go very beautiful. So I think it's yes. knowing that comfort level. When do you know, Cheryl, you, you'd be great at, to answer this, when do you know as executive director someone is ready to be able to handle a a task, a delegation task? What do you look for? Well, I think, you know, as you've worked with an employee and you've taught them the roles of their job and then they increasingly can take on some new roles and you ask them leading questions, what they're interested in, do they see something else in the agency that they think they would like to get their hands in, You know, you might have a discussion on, well, gee, what would that be like for you? You know, what would your vision be for that position? And then if all of the answers to those questions are pleasing to you and you you have trust in this person, then I think you slowly begin to give them the opportunities to spread their wings and see how they can do and and feel them out. But you're kind of there behind them, supporting them and ready to bail them out if you need to do that. But if they're fine on their own, then that's great. And you've got, you know, another avenue of support because there's always going to be more on your desk than you can manage. That is for certain. And speaking of which, I think it's always really good when you're looking at as executive director engaging the community. Your staff really looks at you as the leadership role in that. And you set the bar, you set the standard. So when you are out at events, you're out at activities, you're engaging the community by interacting with them. If, if you take someone with you and you end up sitting in the corner and talking to them the whole time, they're going to think that that's the expectation. And so what I also heard you saying, but maybe not in so many words, was that you mirror that behavior as well. 
And when you see that little bit of something of yourself in them, uh, then that gives you hope that they're ready for that next step. Right. I know we had an event at the office where we were doing um, a small donor reception for some of our larger donors, and we brought them in to see a newly remodeled uh, program that we did. And beforehand, I met with all of my management staff, and I said, this is what you need to do. You need to engage these folks in, in individual conversations. And, you know, and they would see me doing that. And and they, I was so proud of all of them. And I think every donor felt like they were an important person because they got a lot of attention. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And what I love about that is the ex, the expectations were set. So for our listeners who are serving in an executive role, That's a great tip and takeaway from today's show is, are you setting the expectations? Are you communicating those expectations? And are you making it easy for your team whenever you're delegating to them to know what their role is when they're engaged in the community? I love that. So did you give them specific people that you wanted them to interact with or specific things you wanted to say? How how tailored was that for them? Well, because I have managers who have... uh, really different programs. Each manager was going to be talking more or less about their own program and how it felt in, uh, how it fit into the overall organization. So what I asked them to do was, you know, if you see somebody new coming in and you're not currently in a conversation, go up, introduce yourself, talk about your program, and then hand them off to someone else. You know, so that we made sure that everybody had interactions with all the various programs and nobody was left just standing like, what am I doing here? The the uncomfortable, I'm just going to eat cheese cubes in the corner. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Although we do like cheese on the show as well. Great, great food. That's right. So really using your, I think one of the things the article said that I liked was using your mission as your organization's compass. So as executive director, when you're leading and you're saying, where do we go next? How do we make this decision? Which direction should I go? You should always go back to your organizational compass and say, well, what is our mission? And does this make sense with our mission? Does it value, does our mission value this decision? Does it support this decision? And when you can kind of have those checks and balances as the ED, the decision you make may be a tough one. I think you use the the phrase, Marjorie, the buck stops here, right? Mm -hmm. And People may not agree with it on your team, but if you're using your organizational mission as your compass, then it's always the, the right decision because it's the best you think for the organization. Yeah, and Cheryl, you're very grant-based, so you probably have had that issue probably with mission creep and chasing grants sometimes. And Well, I think sometimes one of the, the big issues, I think, for an executive director in an organization is to get your your entire staff to understand the mission of the organization and then they can act as ambassadors because they're out and about and we never know where they're plugged in and Mm -hmm. where they're not. But if they're really, you know, passionate about your mission, they're going to share that. But to me, it's really important and it's also very difficult to get everybody on the same page going in the same direction. Some days you feel like you're herding cats as an executive director. (laughs) And and no offense to our nonprofit professionals. We're not calling you cats at all. Uh, But you know how you are. Uh, There's so many different things, so many elements between programming as well as community interaction, as well as marketing, as well as fundraising. We go on and on. Uh, It's just, it's a lot going on in a lot of different directions. And every piece of that is important. And as we've said before on the show, you know, we do so much with so little. We wear so many hats as nonprofit professionals. And so then you 
have that all with, with responsibilities of one person, that's, that's a lot to manage, mm-hmm. which is why our executive directors are so valued. Yes. <laughs> so your, one of your favorite websites, Marjorie. Oh, my goodness. My fa- Well, like it's got to be one of my favorite leadership ones because it's specifically for the nonprofit executive director, JoanGary.com. She has this post on how to become a great executive director. And it has, I don't know, maybe 40 links to different articles that she's written about different pieces of becoming an executive director, which I think is really, really nice. It's a treasure trove of information there. Um, I would say if you're having a, a tough, uh, tough go of it, pop into this website and check it out there. She's got things like, 10 things to do when you're having a bad day, learn how to say no, staff burnout. Learn how to say no. I didn't know executive directors can say no. They can't. I think that's probably in the article. Oh, it's just, it's just <laughs> kidding. Go back to the original. Yeah. <laughs> um, one title that I just love is uh, how a staff meeting is like a family dinner, um, you know. Yeah. Which, you know, I think it says it all. We do appreciate that. Yes. Yes. Relationships with board, running retreats, um, which I think is one of those skills that we're expected to have that nobody told us we're supposed to have. Yes. Um, and public relations, just the whole gamut, which is really fantastic. Um, she's got a lot of great stuff there. So with all of this overwhelming responsibility of your nonprofit leader as an executive director, I can see where burnout really can play a role in this. And I, I want to talk about that a little bit. And Cheryl, you come, you're coming from a, a grand experience with so many different organizations that have benefited from your leadership and things that you've learned along the way. So how do you continue to stay energized and motivated and avoid that burnout? You know, I think it's something that you have to learn along the way. I mean, as a younger executive, I I can clearly remember waking up in the middle of the night and obsessing over some little issue. Oh, good, it's normal. You know, it's normal, Marjorie. And, and then thinking, at one point in my life, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. I am not at my best when I'm waking up in the middle of the night and losing sleep. Yes. And so you really have to get to a point where you learn that you have to have a balance. And even small things, you know, get up from your desk Walk to one of your staff, see what they're doing, you know, get yourself completely out of your mindset of what you were doing at your desk and into what somebody else is doing. And, you know, they're going to be happy that you're giving them some attention. You're going to possibly learn something from what they're doing. And then you can go back to your task. And and I think it's all about creating a balance and whatever it takes for you. You know, if if you need to get up and walk around the parking lot for five minutes, you know, or go sit down and have a cup of coffee. But you just got to break out of that. And you have to get organized. You have to make a list every day of what needs to get done and what the priorities are and do as much of that as you can and not beat yourself up when you go home at night and it's not all done because you're already organized for the next day. So you can have your evening free, refresh yourself, go back, and you know exactly where to start the next morning. Refresh yourself. See, we're back mm-hmm. to Barbados. Exactly. Taking time <laughs> off, right? And and both support. And I have done it. I know Marjorie has done it even with the show. We've we've done the show solo a couple times mm-hmm. just so that we can recharge our batteries. And you know, I think that's important. I a lot of times there are people who I know that I've worked with 
who are almost wear like a badge of honor. Like I have all these vacation days saved up. Look at me. I haven't had one single day off. And I'm like, yes, but you're stressed out and you're driving us crazy. So if you could just <laughs> take it three days to even go home and just stay home with your dog and, and splurge mm-hmm. on Netflix, that would be super helpful to the rest of us. So exactly. on behalf of us, please take a vacation day, you know, yeah. uh, but it's not a badge of honor. It's really those days are there to be able to provide that balance. That's a great point. Yeah. The other thing to me that is not a badge of honor is the getting there ridiculous early and also staying ridiculous late all the time. What message are you sending to your staff, whether you like it or not, when you do that? You are, you are telling them they have to do the same thing and we, we don't pay enough (laughs) for that. Um, We know that everybody's heart's in the mission, but there's always going to be something to do. Like Cheryl mentioned, it's always going to be something left, but um, at the times when we are busiest are the times that I find myself having to institute fairly strict office hours for myself to mm-hmm. know so that I'm recharging my batteries on a daily basis because the organization needs me at my best. And I think that when we're talking about being at your best, it's also knowing, are you a morning person? Are you an evening person? Mm-hmm. And then communicating that expectation with your team. One of my favorite executive leaders uh, who I had a chance to work with, the very first few days that we were together, she pulled me aside and said, so tell me, like, what time do you normally come into the office? And I went, well, when I absolutely have to, because I'm not a morning person. I said, just, I'm not. And I said, but I'm the one that'll be here at seven o'clock at night because I start getting my wind around, you know, two o'clock and boom, I'm gone. And that's the way I work. And she said, so let me let you know a little secret. I'm a morning person. I get up at like 4.15. I take my dog for a walk. I go to the gym. I'm in here at five. And I thought, oh, if she tells me that what she wants me to do, we are going to conflict so badly. (laughs) And she followed with, but I don't want you to think because I'm here that early. I expect you here that early. And I don't want you to think that because I'm not here at 7 p.m. when you leave that I didn't put in my full day. So I'm glad that we had that talk. And it was the most beautiful thing because sure enough, I would come in at Mm -hmm. 8 o'clock or at 8.30 that morning which is not late, but mm-hmm. when you've been there since five o'clock, it seems like forever, right? <laughs> and I would think to myself, oh my gosh, what am I, you know, I hope that she's not, oh no, she's not. She knows this is what time I get there. Now, were there times where we had to adjust? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had to be there early. She had to be there late. It's just kind of what it is. But we understood that and we both grew because of that experience. So my advice uh, to our listeners is to make sure you have that communication with your team as to what that expectation is. What about when we talk about the role of the executive director in fundraising. How do you know when it is time for you to be able to step in and when it's time for you to step back and let your team move forward with that? So you talked before, Marjorie, about you don't want to pick out the colors of the invitation. Mm-hmm. So events, where where do you think an executive director fits in when it comes to events? I think a lot of it depends on the maturity and sophistication of your staff. I think that that's great point. And your, and your committees. Um, I have actually been able to let a lot go over the past couple of years as my staff has gotten to know what they're doing with each event. Um, now that they're, they're really running the events themselves, a lot of times I'm coming to the first committee meeting saying hi to everybody. Um, I'm kind of there for counsel if they need it. If I can tell that there's something, if a board member comes to me and says there's a problem, I'll step in. Um, and then at the event, um, and the couple days leading up to the event where everybody is on that event. Um, so I'm trying to stay out of it as much as possible with events because as we talked about, our, our, our ROI on events is not great. So I'm the sure less there, time I can be involved, the better. I'm sure there's some OCD executive directors out there that are freaking out with the idea that you're not more hands-on. Mm-hmm. But what a great example of being able to bring your staff to a level where, as you'd mentioned, Cheryl, really delegating to them and being able to help them flourish. Uh, so all sorts of great things. Uh, my hope is that you can learn from us as much as we can learn from our audience. And mm-hmm. speaking of learning, 
I know we've done it, so we've talked a little bit about it, but there's that risk always about what if we make a mistake? What if we what if we make an error? And one of the uh, articles that we'll reference within our show notes is uh, by nonprofitrisk.org, and it was entitled "We Do It All." We all do it. Mistakes in nonprofit life. So help us. I always say mistakes are fine as long as you learn from them. So if we can be a little raw and vulnerable today on our show and just talk about a mistake that you've made or that you've seen made that you learned from and perhaps our listeners would be able to grow from that as as well. Marjorie, do you have something you wanted to share? Sure. Um, I think one of my biggest mistakes as an executive director has been not advocating enough for myself and my organization in certain instances. So we had an instance several years ago because we're part of a bigger organization where some things really kind of slid um, on the other organization side. And we didn't quite realize it until it was very, very late. Um, had I been a little bit more vocal about, hey, you know, we need this, we need that, not we're kind of the kind of the second thought sort of thing. I think our organization would be in a better spot then and even now. So that's, you know, that's one of my regrets. And now I really try not to let things slide. I think as a woman, sometimes that's tough. Um, you know, you don't want to be aggressive, you want to be appropriately assertive. But I think it's important to make sure that, you know, you're advocating not just for yourself, but for your organization and making sure that comes first. Great advice and great learning from that as well. Cheryl, what about you? Well, I think when you make a mistake, it's really important that you say, I made a mistake in retrospect. I should have considered this or that or the other thing. And I think what you get from that is you teach your staff that if they make a mistake, you're not going to come down on them heavy handed. That, you know, from time to time, we all lose track of a detail. You know, things will slide, something will happen, but it's a wonderful opportunity to go back and look at what you're doing and how could we have programmed ourselves for that not to have happened. So, you know, I I think we just all have to be honest about, yes, we make mistakes. This is how I'm going to do it better in the future and avoid making another mistake because I've analyzed this and I see where I went off the rails. Great learning example. I think for me, I've gotten to the point where because we go so quickly that I've copy and pasted things and either hit the send button or hit Mm. the print button. (laughs) And next thing you know, Marjorie Moore because Marjorie Smith. (laughs) <laughs> and that doesn't seem right. And then it's been mailed. And so again, like you mentioned, just you know, owning up to that, slowing down, double checking, making sure that the staff know it's okay. And I, I have a 24 hour rule. If I, I have some mistake that I've made, uh, that I'm trying to figure out what to do, I, instead of just jumping in quickly to solve it, if, if it's possible and if it's going to be effective, take some time, sleep on it, wash your hair, whatever you need to do to have some perspective because the next day, first off, it may not look as big as you thought. <laughs> And second of all, it gives you some perspective to be able to walk away from it and uh, perhaps some com- have some conversations with yourself on how to move forward. Mm-hmm. Well, I know I continue to learn and grow from all of our guests, and today has been no exception for me. What do you think, Marjorie? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Cheryl, so much for joining us today. Now, how can our listeners reach you if they want more information about Call to Help, Call for Help, or if they want to get in touch with you? To reach me, they can call Call for Help at 618-397-0968, or they can reach me by email at ccompton at callforhelpinc.org. Perfect. And thank you 
to all of you for joining us on 501 Crossroads. We're recorded at the studios of Mind's Eye Radio and is produced and hosted by me, Marjorie Moore. And me, Natalie Jablonski. Mike Curtis is our sound engineer. Please go to iTunes or Stitcher or your favorite app and subscribe to us. Leave us some feedback. Um, let others help, help others find us. Send us out into the Weberverse, please. Um, you can find us also on Facebook at 501 Crossroads. Thank you for listening. And remember, we're all working towards the same outcomes.